Hi everyone, welcome to the Dolby Institute and the Soundworks Collection podcast. We're coming to you with a new season of episodes and this time we're focusing on great sound editing and sound design and mixing for episodic streaming content because as a result of the coronavirus, that's pretty much all we're consuming these days. Um, and I'm really thrilled uh, to kick off the, um, the season with a conversation with uh, Bonnie Wilde from Skywalker Sound to talk about the Mandalorian. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Bonnie is the uh, uh, the sound editor and uh, the re-recording mixer for the show. Um, but I also want to give a little shout out to um, Bonnie and I are recording our conversation today using Dolby On, and Dolby On is a free iOS and Android application designed to make recording and live streaming sound and video with unparalleled audio quality incredibly simple using nothing but your device. In this case, we're both using our phones. So Dolby On empowers creators to make their statement with amazing sound quality anytime and anywhere. And that's my little shout out for Dolby On. It is available anywhere fine apps are downloaded. So check that out. Bonnie, welcome to uh, welcome to our conversation. I'm so eager to talk to you about The Mandalorian. Hi, Glenn. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to talk to you. It's nice to talk to, to anyone right now. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I sympathize 150%. Obviously, this is this is the new show that kind of that kind of premiered Disney Plus as a platform. Yeah. Uh, when the show came out in October uh, last year, super high expectations on the show, and you know, uh, I think it exceeded a lot of people's uh, expectations. And part of that was just the incredibly high production quality um, on the on the show. So. Tell us a little bit about your the sound editor and the re-recording mixer. So the sound editorial process, what were you focused on? Kind of what were your what what sort of pieces were you responsible for and how did it work out with Matt and Dave? Uh, so the, the way the way we approached this first season was that I would be responsible for um, all eight episodes in terms of just the sound effects. And so I would be the sound effects editor. So um, Dave Acord. Uh, he he made like a, a large palette of sounds to be used. Obviously, we've got new creatures, we've got new ships, we've got new weapons, we've got like a, a lot of things to be addressed. And uh, Dave, uh, you know, that would do spotting and consultation with Favreau and Filoni and built out, you know, a, a library of sounds to be used um, for the. Star Wars in in general, like every Star Wars show we work on, we have we have a new palette, but then we also have the legacy as well because everything has to feel obviously like it's all that galaxy. Everything has to feel coherent and cohesive. So it's it's kind of it's blending the old with the new always. And what's like great at this point about the like the Star Wars library and the, and the resources we have there is that. There's so much material now; it's it's incredible. So it's a like a vast cave of of, of wonders. 
<laughs> and then so for the for all for like for all the eight episodes I cut all the sound effects there was there's there was a lot of common sense involved because obviously there's a lot of CGI happening but also a lot right. of practical effects as well so I I can't I approached it as like what isn't going to change that much cut it first so that was a lot of the the practical effects I would kind of go through uh, doing all, doing all the practical which there was a there was a lot of it you know there's obviously all the fighting and everything like that all the all the fisticuffs going on so there was a, there was a lot to cut I mean just in general there was a lot it's a busy to cut. show yeah it was a busy show it was like months you know it was like really the Mandalorian was like most of my year last year and then towards the end as the as the the visual effects came in it was kind of keeping up with all of that and updating all those things so my job on it would to be a whole pass and then I would sit down with Dave Acord and we'd go through it and figure out like you know what to change or particular things that should be a particular way I mean like Matt and Dave have such a, a fast knowledge of everything that it's I loved I love sitting down and, and doing reviews with them because it's always better like it's always better you know <laughs> so it's it's a good it's a good process and I've worked you know I've worked with them for like many years now so it you know I, I start from a point of where they're going to be you know happy and then improve on it and improve on it but obviously you know this was a new show so there's new things to consider there's new people to consider there's a new audience to, to consider there's you know there's a lot of things and you know I had to be you, you've got to be mindful when you're cutting for tv as well that you know this the schedule isn't as as generous as working on a movie so it's it's being it's just being resourceful with with everything you you have you know kind of you don't want to overcut it as well in my mind. Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to mix this and I know how much time I have to mix it. And I don't want to be sat there with like tons of stuff that I know I'm not going to use. So it's, it's actually, it was actually really nice to cut it because I was going to mix it. And I'm like, okay, I, yeah. know, I know I'm not going to want that. This is going to be this kind of thing and you can build it out. Like I can focus on the thing that I'm going to want to focus on when I'm mixing it. Yeah. I mean, there's coverage. I mean, I'm, still when you're effects editing there's still that part of your brain that's <laughs> like i might i might not it's like everything really well, everything know, gets covered you don't know yeah and you don't know like once you get the music in how things might play differently so tell me yeah. a little bit about the mix were you know were you on a um like a, a feature film stage or what, what what was the room where you actually did the mixing no i really didn't want to be on a on a big stage for this i mean we for a start, I wanted to mix to spec. As like, I want this to, I want to hear this how everyone else is going to hear this, and I want that to be like my native mix. Um, you know, some sometimes, obviously, when we mix for a feature, then we do a home theater mix like toward the end. But you're not mixing, you know, you're not mixing your movie thinking about the home theater mix. You know, you're 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 going for it. You're you're mixing it for the environment that that you want it to be best heard in. And in this case, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm going to mix for the environment that it's going to be best heard in, which is people's living rooms. So I'm, we went on the, on a pod, uh, the pod stage. So the, um, 
<laughs> to describe. Yeah, I think like I, so, for, a, so, so for people who don't know, um, I don't know exactly what the you know measurements, but it's probably like I don't know, maybe like fifteen feet by twenty feet, something. Yeah, the, the a pod, pod, a pod, the pod room, room is kind of a, yeah. yeah, it is kind of like a good you know living room kind of size. It's a good, a, is it it's generous? A, it's a, it's a not it's a living in San Francisco room. living room. <laughs> no, it's a it's a, it's a nice living room with a really good sound system. Yeah, it's very it's very nice. And for this show, we were mixing seven one two. I opted to mix this in seven one two. So spec wise, we could it was it was going to be seven one four or seven one two. And mm-hmm. for this, I was like, there's so many new things going on in this. I was like, I'm going to do. 712 because then i can still utilize you know i can still mm-hmm. utilize the overheads and have things moving around but i'm not going to have to deal with that like metadata of having the four objects and that was really because i thought this is the first season this might have to you know you i just wanted to be mindful of what might happen to the schedule so it's like, well, if mm-hmm. this starts to kind of overlap, it might have to be another mixer in another room doing something or somewhere else. So I was like, if I keep it 712, then I can just be be cautious about the ease yeah. of the ease of everything. So in this case, were you guys uh were were you mixing natively in Dolby Atmos um from the beginning of the project in seven yeah. seven one two? Yeah. So, and and were you were you were you editing in one space and then going into a pod to mix, or were you in a pod the whole time? So no, I, I have that my pod the whole is, time. Yeah. Yeah, that's really key because then it allows you to sort of obliterate that firewall between editing and mixing, and you can yeah. just kind of be working in one headspace the whole time. Definitely, I'm I'm very easygoing. I don't usually make demands about things, but for this, I was like, can I? Can I just be in the pod for like eight months? Can I take up that space? Uh, but it, it made sense because the, the workflow, the other end was going to be like a streaming workflow. So nothing had to change. If, if production wanted to open up my room at some point to talk to me or to hear anything I was working on, we could do that. We had the ability to do it. And like you say, it's just everything I cut then, you know what it's going to sound like in that environment. And right. even when I was cutting, I'd be like, maybe I'm going to do that and I'll stick it up there. And I'd be like, either maybe that's too much. I'll take it out, put something else in the cut and that's going to sound good up there. And it's, it just, it's good. It was, it was a luxury, but I did love it. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Tell me a little bit about, so 7.1.2 in, in the Dolby Atmos format. So you're using, you're using, two overhead um, kind of channels, uh, if you will. What, how did you use those channels? What did you put in the overheads? What was up there? Uh, actually, I I used them quite a lot. I mean, for a start, all the, the different environments we were in, I mean, immediately as we as we cut in episode one, the first thing, there's stuff up there. So uh, there's snow going all around. You know, it's great. You can move everything around. So there's snow. You can get so much movement. And then we go inside of the like the bar there on, on that ice planet. And again, there's I've got like it's kind of like snow on the tin roof, kind of the rain on the tin roof up there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not overuse. It's like it's there for a little bit. It might like come back during the scene. But it's it's really I love it. You really you feel like you're totally in that space, and you, you can make that space 
oppressive or you can really open it up you know depending on what you're you're putting up there but i use it a lot even like even the ship buys and everything you 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 could you can add you can add so much money to a shop you know they because you know the razor crest does it you don't have to see the razor crest doing all that you can hear it instead and i did like one shot the razor crest just like lands like left like just like in the distance right of screen <laughs> no it comes in like, <laughs> all over, your top, over your head and lands and uh, you know i know there's there's not millions of people that are going to listen to it like that but the people who are will enjoy it <laughs> And it it folds down easily, you know. There's no there's no hassle with, with with using any of that. So yeah, I liked it. I had fun with it. It was good. <laughs> I, you know, I got lots of questions about creative for you about uh, you know about the sounds, and so I love that you know you talked earlier about the mixture of legacy sounds from the Star Wars library and the new stuff. And I think for those fans, there there are some there are some really fun Easter eggs in the, uh, in, in the sound, um, you know, for Mandalorian, there were so many things like I love, I I got nostalgic about the sound of the speeder bikes. That was, that was so much fun. And then even I made a note, you know, I love the mouse droid, uh, that shows up, um, uh, in episode six. (laughs) Exactly. And then there was that, there was a, there was that wonderful, yeah, there was that wonderful moment in 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 episode eight uh, when IG Eleven takes Mondo's uh, Mondo's helmet off, and uh, <laughs> it sounds very much like the same sound effect from The Empire Strikes Back when Darth Vader's <laughs> helmet goes on. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, did you guys did you guys have did you guys have conversations about that about sneaking some some fun library you know historical sounds in there? Sometimes I will have a conversation about it, but sometimes I won't. I'll put it in and <laughs> wait to see if anybody raises a hand. I was like, oh. <laughs> but actually, for some of that, like the, the crew were like really keen to like kind of like use a lot of the legacy. And sometimes we were like, no, it's got to like, we got to create something new as well, like to, to right. go, to go forward. But there is, I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so much fun to be had. It's, you know, it's just kind of, Dave Filoni is really good at this as well. He, you know, he'll always say, well, if we put that sound in, we're going to be thinking about another moment if it's like too signature. So that's you know, interesting. You, yeah. You, you kind of, you, you pick where to, you pick like where to use your things. And it's usually, I mean, the feel good stuff because, if it makes you feel good, it's going to make you feel good. Um, but yeah, there's, there's things that we will always try and, and, and creep in. And, but what was great about the Mandalorian as well is that we had a lot of like genuine uses for these things, you know, like we had sure. the, like the, you know, the carbonite freezing and everything like that. And like, it's like, that was cool. Like on all the Star Wars I've done, like I've never got to do that before. I was like, cool. <laughs> I get to use those yeah. sounds. Because there's stuff that you can't, you know, that you you can't really use because it's it's you know it's, it's the carbonite chamber. I can't go using that on on other things. So it was really good to actually get to use stuff. It's super the, identifiable. The Jawas, yeah. oh, the Jawas. I want to so ask fun. you about the Jawas. That was, we we haven't spent this much Jawa time with Jawas 
ever. And I love being up in the sand crawler, up into the cockpit. Like, you must have had great fun with those sequences. I, I love that episode. I love that episode anyway because it's it's such a trip. It's so weird, but it's so many cool things happen in it. And then at the end, the Jawas just eat that egg and you're like, cool. <laughs> they just eat in the egg. But oh, the, the Jawas are so good. And what was cool about the Jawas is that I did use a lot of, you know, a lot of the existing stuff that we had in the library. But also Matt uh, recorded loop proof for the Jawas. So really? it was really cool, yeah. And Dave Akel was one of the Jowers. It's just, oh, they're so perfect. It's so perfect. And then with that egg, Suka, Suka. It was, it was really good. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> it gets, it gets nerdy though. I'm not going to lie. Like I have a dictionary, you know, like the, you know, Ben Burt wrote the, like the language of Star sure. Wars. And so I'm there like, all glasses go on and I get the little dictionary out and I'll be like, uh, the Jawas shouldn't be talking about this, right? <laughs> it's like, shut up. Like, I'm just saying people will know. Other people have this dictionary. People will find out. <laughs> was, was the Jawa word for egg in the dictionary? Cause we certainly got that one quite a bit. It wasn't, but I thought I did check. I did check. The closest was like sun. And we thought that's like a big yellow thing, but we went to Pablo for that. We were like, um, you know, Pablo Hidalgo couldn't like be responsible for the language of, of the Jawas at that point. And we, cause we really wanted something signature for that because it's, it's all about that egg, you know? <laughs> it really is. It's a major <laughs> plot point for that episode. That's for sure. So good. Tell me a little bit about, 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 um, the the sound the sound that you guys created when the child uses the force um, and I'm thinking about that particular episode because it's the first time that the, that the child does that um, yeah in in, in, in the, the the fight with the um, with the uh, the mudhorn what am I trying to remember the mudhorn yes yeah. exactly the fight with the mudhorn tell me a little bit about the sound of the child using the force and how you how you develop that and, and what that sounds like well that was again this was like a bit of big talking point in the in the final review i mean those dave created some uh some four sounds for the child and we also used some legacy sounds for that but it was it was important in that moment i think for the uh for the child not to be for it to be clear that he's not using the dark side of the force this is you know and this is where like dave filoni talks about this a lot it's like it can't be it can't be like this scary kind of big rumble sound. We've got to be careful. A scary, about... super, super subwoofer rumble. It's got yeah. to be something different. No yeah. kind of Kylo kind of uh, like rumble scare there. It's we've got to like air on the side of you know we're not. I mean, it's not subtle. I'm not going to say that it's subtle, but we we <laughs> got to be cautious, <laughs> cautious with it, so that we don't think that the you know, like the baby is using the dark side of the force at that point and that he's trying to do something you know he's trying to do something good for good for Mando right. at that point so it again that was so if that you can't was a so if you can't if you, if you can't if you can't lean back on the force rumble what do you how do you communicate that so how did, how did you kind of how did, how did you hit that target there's there's still low end low end in there I think originally I think originally I cut quite different things in there I mean for like when we do rebels like Ezra uses like you know he's using the light side of the force in there and he has a, a particular sound but there as well that was such a huge 
music moment that that car- that carries so much of it. And there's mm-hmm. there was also the sound of the the mud horn at that point was also kind of you know straining. But definitely that we kind of went with the music doing a lot of the work there. And then there is there is the there is still low end rumble in there. It's just not the kind of like the the kind of terrifying earthquake kind of you know thing we've got yeah. going in there. So it is still it is still you know it's still a lot of sub in sub in there that going on, but. So there's so much new stuff in the show too. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I just love the sound of the Razor Crest, which is uh, Mondo's ship. Not only the engines and the instrumentation, but just like the the acoustic treatment inside the ship. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that and how, how you basically created that environment. Uh, Dave, uh, obviously Dave designed the, the Razor Crest and uh, don't fully quote me on this. Dave can obviously speak more to this. But he did, I think he based it on some of the Slave One sounds, you know, Boba Fett's thing. Um, so it was, it's again, it's like the new, but also the, the familiar, you like it's all, it's, it's like grounded in, grounded in Star Wars still. And then the, the inside of the ship, Dave made like a whole variety. He kind of the rattle, you know, cause this, this era of Star Wars is, it's kind of junky, you know, that was, mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the aesthetic for a lot of it is like, it's kind of junky. It's got, we've gone through all the wars and everything. This is kind of, you know, stuff isn't shiny and new. This is like well used, robust, junky stuff. And so, you know, there's, there's rattles in there. Uh, he's got a lot going. Obviously there's the engine sound, but really in there as well, there's, you know, Mando doesn't say a great deal, so you get kind of you get a really good chance to kind of just absorb the environment a lot, especially when you're mm-hmm. in that ship. And it's nice because, like, he's you know obviously this is like an adventure, so when he's in there, you you know it's the kind of the anticipation of like where the adventure is going to go. And obviously, when when the child is with him, it's you know. You don't want to over, you know, you're kind of figuring out their relationship and kind of what is going to happen. So it's just kind of finding that balance of it not being about the sound of the ship, but it kind of just putting you in his space and in his environment and kind of in his, you want to be in their head, you know, sometimes. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We were talking about music before. Um, I think one of my favorite sequences in the entire series is that 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 minute in episode three um, when you know uh, Mando has delivered the child um, to the Imperials, and there's that that great moment when he goes back to the ship and he powers it up, mm-hmm. and yeah, and he thanks. And it doesn't feel right to him. And then he powers down and he goes back out and goes back and gets the child. Yeah. And it's a beautiful sequence. And and there's some music in there, but it really, it also was just very quiet and internal. And, and tell us a little bit about, about mixing that scene. That must have been a lot of fun for you. That was because he, you know, he he kind of gets he gets back in the Razor Crest. And I think it's like clear, clear of music at the top. So it's really just the sound of him like, it's gonna go. Everything you know switches. Everything's powering up, 
and then the music comes in and then the the engines the engines are still going there but there was a real like natural moment in that music where when you know when i was mixing it it's like that is the point you know you can you can really just feel a lot of it is just it's like okay that's where it's going it's just like lean on the music and take and take everything else down until the moment where he until when he just makes actually, the, he makes the decision powers down this his decision so it's that point of going from story into emotion and then back to to story again to kind of because that is going to propel him to to go back and we we worked that we did work that moment a little more when we got to the mix but really so that was actually one of those things where you're like oh i think that's right. That's right. And it was pretty much, I think we tried going sooner. I think what we did is we tried to go sooner, but they were like, no, it's got to be like, there was a real push in the music of like where it's going to happen, you know? So mm-hmm. that was a good thing I, actually about know, Ludwig's music was there, it was, there was always just a strong sense of like, that's when, that is when to make that moment happen, you know, which was, it's good with working with, with, with a score like that where it feels right. It's like, that feels right. And it's not a huge, yeah. it's not a huge job to be like, oh, it's like there, there, there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just love how detailed the, the, the track is. And, and, you know, I think it's, it, it's easy to talk about the big shootout sequences and, 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 you know, the, 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 the e-web gun is like an amazing, you know, that, that's an amazing sound. Oh yeah. Sound. Oh yeah. The e-web, yeah. <laughs> But I love, you know, I, I love the sound, um, and the, um, like in the, the, that chamber where the, where the armor is getting smelted, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we had, uh, the, the, the kind of, it was almost pulsing down there. It's, it's got like, yeah. it's got like this, it's kind of like an eerie kind of life force because they don't leave that place. That's kind of, that's their life now. It's like driven down into, I guess they're not sewers, but it's it's the you know it's the underbelly of the of the planet, right? And that was cool with all with the forge as well, like the the sounds of the forge. And again, that was like a lot of that a lot of that was new stuff that Dave had created, but also some kind of you know some legacy stuff. Kind of you can sneak in certain certain things in there to give it like that that homely feel, Star Wars homely feel. <laughs> I also, um, I wanted to ask you about vocal treatments, uh, because, you know, as you said, Mondo doesn't say very much, but we get a real sense of his personality. Um, and I wondered was, you know, because of the mechanics of shooting, um, you know, Pablo in the helmet, uh, was any of the production tracks usable for that or, or was Mondo completely ADR? No, no, we, we, um, uh, I, Pedro went in with, with Matt and Dave and maybe, um, Favreau as well. And yeah, we, we, sh- we shot all of him. So. Re-recorded everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it was, that's kind of, it's nice actually. It was, sure. I mean, especially cause I wasn't doing the dialogue editing. It was nice. You know, there was some fill in there happening from, you know, taking the production out and everything because we didn't ADR everyone around him. So, but actually when um, uh, Rich Quinn did most of the dialogue editing and we actually, we had a conversation before 
before he started and actually um i said to him just cut it tight cut all the you know i'm not worried about having a field track all the way through for between 30 and 50 minutes i'm not you know if you cut it up and I'll, I'll clean it up and there'll be a lot of other things going on as well so you know spend spend your time doing other so did the dialogue editors sort of design the, the sounds of the vocal treatments or did you do that in in the pod no we would do that and in I'm, the pod. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about both i mean i'm thinking about you know obviously mondo but i'm also thinking about ig11 and cool yeah. and all of that all of that stuff did you, you you basically designed all those vocalization treatments and futzes in the, in the pod yeah apart apart from um ig ig11 that um dave Dave did a few different passes on IG-11 and then we got it signed off. So it would be, mm. you know, that was be, like before the mix because that's a, that's a big decision to be making at some point. So uh, yeah. Dave, Dave, you know, did a, did a variation of, of designs for IG-11 and, and Favreau and Filoni signed off on, uh, signed off on one before we started the mix. And actually we didn't, Go back, you know, sometimes those things happen and you kind of get to the mix and you're like, everyone's going to have forgotten that we, we, <laughs> that they signed off on <laughs> this. They said, okay, yeah. on this, yeah. But yeah. that, you know, that was fine. I mean, I would tweak it, you know, all those things. Everything's running live. Like we, we, you know, we don't burn anything in. So I would tweak it a lot for just like something's got to be a bit more intelligible, you know, it would, it would get tweaked, but no, basically, but Mando, um, I think I did. I think I did Mando. And but what we really did at that point was really listen to the what they'd done in the Avid. It's like okay, like mm -hmm. let's listen to what the, what they've done in the Avid and kind of replicate that. Don't go throwing something new at them at, at this point because you know they get very used to hearing something sure. one way. And we didn't want to futz him too much. Like we know he's in in a helmet, but we want to get all of all of his expression and the variation that he has in his voice. So it was, it was, it was nothing crazy. Like I use like a channel strip and maybe I have a bit of like drive in there. I think, I think I used maybe like a little radiator or, or something, but it was, it was nothing like harsh or crude. It was just. It is remarkable to me though, how sympathetic and emotional a character Mondo is given the fact that, you know, you never see his face until a brief mm. moment in episode eight. And he doesn't say a whole lot either, right? Yeah, it's just sometimes just a mask tilt. <laughs> I mean it's like it's like such subtle variation in his in his movement, you know. But again, there's all all those things to consider when you're doing the sound is you don't you don't want to crowd that because things are subtle. You really just want to make sure you're looking at Mando and like paying attention to him and that your focus is always there. And even like his, his Foley played a, a, a huge part in it too, because often he isn't saying anything. So it was like gauging his, like we want him to be kind of like, he's kind of, you know, he's badass. He's got to be kind of heavy and he's got all the armor on and everything. So we, again, we went through, you know, Foley did a bunch of different armor sounds for him and yeah. stuff like that and he's got his spurs you know all, all these things yeah going his on. jangling his jangling spurs yeah, yeah. so Love all that. these things to consider and it's like i remember i think we got to like episode eight and then somebody went 
is his spurs like every time he does his foot? Do we have them all the time? And I was like, oh no. I was like, no, we don't. No, <laughs> I was like, I just put them. Because like, I just put them in. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I was like, they're just there, like, sometimes when it's, like, just him, you know, like, on, like, if he's on it, you know, when he's him on it, then they're going to be there. Or, you know, sometimes we just have, like, the shot of his feet quite often, and it's like, yeah. then, we'll, then we but get some also, of it there. But... That's also a way that you communicate to the audience that this is a very quiet place. Right? Yeah, because we can. If you can hear Mondo Spurs. Yeah, All the exactly. detail of everything, yeah. But yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, oh, not all the time, and all the, all the time, that would be very distracting. <laughs> so I, I mentioned that scene in episode three when um, when he powers down and then goes back after after the child. Um, but what are what are some of your favorite scenes and sequences from the show that you like that you love working on? One of them comes very soon after that. So when he goes back and uh, he he puts the bomb on and he blows up the wall to get in. So. I loved it where the, uh, and all the lights are flickering and everything in there. That was, that was one of my favorite ones because I was keen. I was keen on the sounds I used in there of all the flickering lights. And then I would have it go, ding, 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 ding. like, you know, you could have like the pinking sound. It was like going across the room and stuff. That was cool. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and we do cool get about the stuff, don't we? Yeah, but the the again the music in there like really worked because it kind of kind of went down to this thing, so we could just like concentrate on like what was happening in in that in that space and in that environment and how he's creeping through. And I did love that. I also really loved the the um, the, the ricochet on his armor. I loved that sound. Mm-hmm. That was like again, again it's, it, there's a story point. Like Dave Filoni would be like, that armor works. But that armor right. works. We want to hear it deflecting the bolts. Like that Beskar is is a functional. This is like a functioning suit of armor. And so a, Dave A. Corded recorded like these cool bullet ricochets. And so they they were all in there. And it really did feel like it was like doing something. He's like, this isn't stormtrooper armor, you know. Like <laughs> he's like it right. it works. Also, cutting all this, the speeders are always fun. I like cutting speeders, but I, I really enjoyed those speeders. I really souped those up with some some stuff that Dave Acor has, has made over the years for for different things. They were fun. <laughs> well, I think that um, you know, I think that that all the fans are are going to be, I think, relieved to know that they were able to finish production on the second season before the coronavirus. Shut oh, right. everything down. So, Me too. so you guys are, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are in post, yeah. Yeah, I think I think our the schedule is is holding. So we're really really lucky. That is like a, a huge relief because pretty much everything else is you know is is pushing. No one can be shooting yeah. anything. So. Um, I really want to hear about you um, in, in full disclosure. So you're up at Skywalker Sound, which is where the, the show was done. In full disclosure, I used to run Skywalker Sound. I was the, the general manager uh, for a good many years in the in the early 2000s. Uh, but you came along after I left. I yeah. know I know David a- I know David Acord and Matthew Wood really well, who are this who are the sound supervisors on on the show and and and, and whom you work with. Um, but you came along afterwards, and so I'm really kind of curious to hear. Like, what's your story? Where did you come from? How did you kind of did you did you know from an early age that you wanted to be in in post sound? And, and how did you get to Skywalker? Um, yeah, I think to all those questions, I've been there now for it's like I'm coming up on on eight years 
but it was definitely definitely the plan but it, it seemed like a very unlikely plan obviously I'm not American um I'm from the UK so um my dad actually was a mixer so he worked in television in England he worked for a company called TVS um he did like local programming uh TV drama uh, kids shows all things like that so I didn't really think about working in that industry as a kid um it wasn't until I was a teenager and I, I studied music and I was very interested in music um and I thought maybe music production uh but like honestly I, you know I, I studied all these things I did music tech and everything and I'd go to music studios and I was like no that's not really what I want to do and when I graduated college, I did a music degree and uh, graduated. I can't. I I I knew that at that point. I was like, I, I wanna I wanna work in post. Like that. Everything at that point felt like a good fit. It's good for. It's you know. It's creative. It's technical. It's it's all these things. And uh, so there were there was like a branch there. So my my dad worked for ITV at that point. It all became ITV. And uh, there was a local ITV station. <laughs> My dad would give me no information. I was like, do you know anyone there? He was like, no. I was like, do you know anyone who knows anyone? No. And he wouldn't. He was not, he was not encouraging <laughs> you to go into this business. He just, I think he just wanted to make sure that if I was going to do it, I did it on my own. Like I, I did it of my, my own kind of you know, I'd get off my butt basically and, and do it myself. He wasn't going to yeah. give me the name of anyone and give me a reference. But I did, I got a job there basically working in the kitchen. I was a runner, just making all the editors tea and stuff like that. I did that for a while. Um, That's the I, classic Richard Hemp story. Right. Being we, the, uh, make, making, making tea in, making the, in tea. the English sound studio. Yeah. And I'd go around, make everyone tea. I kind of worked in the picture editorial for a little bit because there was a job there. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I'll just like ingest the rushes, the, the dailies, ingest the dailies. Um, until eventually a, um, an assistant job came up in the dubbing department. So I was like, hi. And, uh, they, they took me on as an, a dubbing assistant at that time and I worked in those studios for seven it was seven or seven and a half years somewhere around then and I was really I was an assistant for most of the time but um I was it's you know you're you're dealing with the consoles and everything and all the backups and everything you know it's like a big technical job and I would also mix the foley and stuff and you're you're learning all the time so I would sit in with the editors when I could you know the mixers sometimes we'd switch seats and they'd let me you know, do some mixing and stuff like that until eventually I would <laughs> be given the things that none of the other mixers wanted to do. It was like, okay, this thing's coming in. We don't want to do it. This will be a good opportunity for Bonnie. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, and it was great. Like I loved it there. Um, but the stu the studios closed that, you know, when HD came in, like everything got assessed. It was like, well, we had, you know, we had, stu um, studios there where we shot everything so they were like to upgrade the studios is like so much money closing mm. um and so i went freelance then and my and my plan i was i was hatching a, a plan at this point i was like if i do this and this and this like i could get a visa i could go work at skywalker or not <laughs> not go work at skywalker but i could like go to america and do this and mm -hmm. do this and somehow like somehow like get my way 
to Skywalker. That was like always, it was always a thing. And we talk about Skywalker, but I wonder what it's like there. Like, I, you know, they're making their own stuff. And it was this place where technology was always like embraced and, and pushed. It was, you know, this mythical land. Yeah. I don't really know how I did it, to be honest. <laughs> but I remember having a conversation. Did you come in to work on Star Wars or were you at Skywalker before you got on? No, no, I, I was, I was there before that. My, my, my part, I basically started again. Like I did, I did get a visa, yeah. moved to America. Um, I, I was in the country two years, I think, before I actually started working there. Um, I was still kind of doing freelance bits and stuff like that to, to keep going. But, I, but I actually started working in the digi department. Which mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't very good then. I wasn't very good. There's. <laughs> but you know, you're right. It's like you got to get your foot in the door. You got to get your like, foot in the door. Reimaging and then reimaging systems. Not my like. Not my forte. But I was sure honest about what I could do. So you know, again, it was like we don't really want to do this. Let's get Bonnie will install. I'll like I'll install all the plugins. I'll do all the licenses. I'll do all the things that like people aren't keen on doing. But everybody knew what I wanted. I wanted to work in the tech department. So I was kind of, that was okay. I was just like, I'll be helpful. I'll be as helpful as I can be. Um, and then worked in the tech department. I w- was a mixed tech on the stages there. Sure. Yeah. And after, again, I think I, don't know, I was a Skywalker two or three years, I think, before um, Matt and Dave really stuck their neck out and took a chance on me because they, you know, I hadn't done any editorial or mixing work at skywalker up until that point so what was the first show it was rebels i worked on star wars rebels mm. so matt and dave came to me and they were like hey can you can you cut effects and i'm like yes <laughs> kind of thinking maybe i've forgotten how to do that it's been a couple of years i was like yes yes and they're like you you mix you worked on tv right i was like i did i did and so, yeah, they they gave me a, a shot on the second season of Star Wars Rebels. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I was like, yeah. And that was my first time also working with Dave Filoni. So that was, like, that was the was the beginning of my, of my, like, Star Wars, my Star Wars trip, which has been pretty great. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a great story. Well, Bonnie, thanks so much for taking the time today to to come on and talk with us about the Mandalorian. It's been great to hear your experiences and sort of um, kind of how the work came together on this really special show. Well, I was really busy, Glenn, so I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Well, go back to to being really busy. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for for joining us. We've been talking today with uh, Bonnie Wilde from Skywalker Sound about the uh, amazing work that was done on season one of The Mandalorian, and looking forward to season two. Thanks for joining us. We both, uh, we, we, Bonnie and I both captured the conversation today using the Dolby On app. Uh, so uh, go to the App Store and, and check that out. Bonnie, thanks again. It was fun talking to you. Thank you. This is Glenn Kaiser signing off from the Dolby Institute and the Soundworks Collection Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in.